Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star Sports Podcast presented by First Federal Bank. It's May 23rd and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Chiefs begin OTAs later this week and on today's show, beat writers Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell will tell us what to expect. We talk mostly defense today and the Chiefs likely are still in the market for a defensive end or is the rotation set with Frank Clark, George Karloftis, Mike Dana, Joshua Kando, and Turk Wharton. We also take a look at the linebacking core and the secondary. So let's get going. Talking Chiefs. Well, it's spring football time uh, in the NFL. College is long past spring football, but in the NFL, uh, OTAs are this week. And we've got Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell here to talk about what's going to happen with the Chiefs over the next several weeks. And Herbie, Let's start by just kind of defining what OTAs are. What what do teams like the Chiefs do during OTAs, and what do they want to get done? What 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 is there to accomplish? Yeah, the, the Chiefs officially enter what's known as Phase Three of the off-season workout program. Over the past month and a half, they've gone through Phase One, obviously, and Phase Two, and it's it's kind of like a ease them into before we get you on the field for team drills. Over the past month and a half, they've gone through a lot of individual type sessions, uh, classroom settings, learning new plays. And OTAs is when it all comes together because now teams can they're allowed to do seven on seven drills, nine on seven drills, full team, 11 on 11 drills. And that's the key thing. But what you have to remember here is there's still no contact allowed. So there's no hitting, no live contact. The players are still, for the most part, just in shorts and helmets, so, you know, what we call shells. But this is the opportunity for them to take what they've learned in the classroom environment and then install it on the field before training camp. Is this the time of of year where starters emerge? Is this where, you know, maybe we'll see a a draft pick become a starter? And, you know, we, we obviously know that, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a starting quarterback and Travis Kelsey is a tight end. But is this where we see George Karloftis running with the ones sort of thing? And uh, uh, or, or does that come in, in at St. Joe at training camp? You know, that's a very good question, Blair, because sometimes what you've seen with the Chiefs is OTAs gives them an opportunity to rotate people back and forth. And normally we wait until the first week of training camp before we figure out, OK, yeah, that's who's going to probably has the inside track to starting. But I'm going to go back to last year. Okay, with the offensive line, we knew what the Chiefs were thinking on the first day of OTAs. When we walked out there and we saw Creed Humphrey, uh, Trey Smith, and Lucas Nyang working with the ones, and that was setting the table for training camp because that's exactly how they opened up. Um, We should have a pretty good idea. This is what OTAs is about. Unfortunately, you know, we can't report, you know, personnel groupings out there, but you're going to, this is the time of year where you're going to hear me say all the time, it wouldn't surprise if Blair Kirkhoff is your starting quarterback. <laughs> so yeah, that's a good question. And, and, you know, you'll get a good opportunity here to see what the Chiefs are thinking. Okay. Uh, there was some news yesterday, a uh, couple of free agent, well, not a couple, just one yesterday, free agent target, or at least somebody who's been associated, his name's been associated with the Chiefs, Davian Clowney. Resigned with the Cleveland Browns, you know, defensive end, uh, and earlier James Bradbury, the cornerback, signed with the Eagles. So those are a couple 
a couple of free agent, possible free agent, uh, for, free agents for the Chiefs that are no longer available. Uh, what is does that mean the Chiefs are out of the market? Uh, what, what, what could the Chiefs do free agent-wise between now and, and St. Joe? Uh, I, I got to think that there's still a couple of positions of, needs here, of need here. Yeah, I think when you look at James Bradbury, Bradbury was linked to the Chiefs at the start of free agency, okay, and then the draft happened. And after the draft, the reason why I never even considered Bradbury another a viable target was because they traded for Lonnie Johnson. Once they did that, they filled that need at the cornerback position on top of drafting three more. Um, defensive end, hey, as Jesse has written a lot about, you know, Melvin Ingram was somebody that they probably wanted to bring back, but he signed with Miami last week, so scratch off Ingram and scratch off the JV and Clowney. But you got to think, defensive end might still be on the menu uh, a veteran guy that you can bring in probably at training camp right Jesse yeah so what's fascinating about this is that um, I mean I, I keep going back to Brett Veach here because he has an MO which is whatever failed the Chiefs previously in the previous season he goes out and he hammers normally the next season we saw that after the Super Bowl where, you know, they were one offensive lineman short, they shuffled around uh, in losing in Tampa Bay, and they went out and they got offensive linemen. And it's interesting to hear him talk in the offseason. Uh, I think it was even on the Rich Eisen show, he talked a little bit about when the Tyree Hill situation went down and they were looking at their options and you got to pay Mahomes and you would have to pay Tyree Hill. And after that, he said, well, there wouldn't have been any money to go potentially sign a defensive end. So they kind of reshuffled things. And then the Tyree Hill trade happened. They got some draft capital and went around and did things a different way. But it was interesting for him to say that, um, you know, they were sort of looking like how can they address defensive end if they have Tyreek Hill on the roster too. And, and they redid some things, but that remains the one big question mark guys. I mean, if you would ask me after last season, the biggest question mark on the defense um, from what we saw late, and that would have been defensive end and pass rush and something that, you know, the chiefs have valued over time with their defensive scheme. So it is interesting because you can say, okay, they got Frank Clark back and he's been inconsistent at best. I think we can all agree. They had Melvin Ingram who kind of solidified them last year. Now he's gone to the Dolphins. You get George Karloftis, but in a best case scenario, you're getting hopefully a steady contributor that can play a lot of snaps. And now you're another body short. And so you can hope on Joshua Kando, who, you know, hasn't shown too much yet, but is still pretty young. But uh, I would be surprised if they don't address this somehow. Now, listen, last year they addressed it via a trade halfway through the year. This year with the schedule, it's a little bit tougher. I mean, I don't know that you can start off three and four again and hope to make the playoffs. So this is fascinating to me, kind of just from a, a big, big picture's point of view, just because we know how Brett Beach operates. He usually does not let a weakness fester and be a greater weakness the next year. And it seems to me like defense Ben kind of still sits like that for the Chiefs if you're just looking at, you know, bright light weaknesses for them. So I'll be interested to see what happens here over the next few weeks to see if there's a trade or a signing. They do have some cap room, so it seems like there's some space available if they do want to make a move. I'll go back uh, to the uh, 2018 season to uh, Brett Veach wanting to uh, identifying a position group and uh, trying to correct it for the following year. And that's, you know, that was the year the Chiefs lost to the Patriots in the AFC title game. The defense was atrocious uh, most of the year. And right after the, within two days after the AFC title game, Bob Sutton was replaced as defensive coordinator and Kansas City bid farewell to the likes of Justin Houston and Eric Berry and D Ford and Alan Bailey and just guys who had been stalwarts on that 
on the defensive side and brought in people like Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew and, and others. So identified a need, made the changes. Uh, Chiefs went on to win the Super Bowl. And you're right, Jesse, the, you know, two years later, they had the offensive line problem in the, in the uh, Super Bowl loss to the Bucs, and, and they went out and, and fixed all that. Um, but as you said, I mean, we're looking at a, at a right now a defensive end rotation of Frank Clark, George Karloftis, Mike Dana, uh, Joshua Kando as, you know, just proven commodities returning. And that's not what I thought the Chiefs had in mind. You know, uh, that That's not, you know, that, that's not filling the, um, you know, filling the hole there. So I think still work to do when it comes to that position. Don't you think, Herb? Yeah, and I tend to agree with that as well. You know, when you when you mentioned Dana and you mentioned Kando, these are two of their draft picks over the last two seasons. Okay, so Dana is is he's serviceable because if you remember last year when Frank Clark missed a good chunk of the first half of the season, Dana had three sacks in there subbing for uh, Frank Clark. Joshua Kando was hurt last year, so he didn't really have an opportunity to develop and learn that scheme. Uh, remember, he was on injured reserve, then they then they pulled him back, but. That's a lot of lost time. I think what you're, what you're probably going to end up seeing happening is kind of like what they did last summer at the start of training camp. They brought back Alex Okafor, and he, by the way, is still a free agent, but he's a guy that you can bring in because he knows the scheme. Uh, but whatever they do here, if it is a free agent signing and it's a veteran, this is a stopgap fix. This isn't someone that they're going to have for years and years because they missed that boat. Free agency was the opportunity to get someone who is going to be here two or three years. So whoever they get now is going to just going to be someone who's going to help them out for this year only. And, and I think stopgap is a perfect word, Herbie, because, um, you know, let, let's not get lost in the weeds here. Like they still have Patrick Mahomes. They still have all these offensive weapons. They still have a lot of great things going for them and they upgraded in the draft. But um, if we're talking Dana, Kando, um, some of these guys, Karloftis, even, you don't know the answer. You know what I mean? So you're, you're kind of just trying to, to push this thing into the future. And even if you, um, potentially could make a trade like they did with Melvin Ingram last year. You, you have to come up with some solutions early to kind of at least buy you some time to see if, and again, all things equal, they'd love for Dana and they'd love for Kando to step up and be those guys. And maybe they are those guys, but right now you're not in a position with the chiefs to say, Oh, they're going to go four and 13. Anyway, that's not a big of a deal. No, they've got expectations this year, the expectations in week one, and they've got tough games in week one, week two, week three. So yeah, they need something to kind of fill that gap to figure out what you have. And so that that's why this has sort of been, I mean, a lot of what they've done in the offseason makes a lot of sense. And this has sort of been the, the most one that kind of just lingers out there as a question. Like they, they need something to get them to whatever's next and they don't know what's next yet. So some, some sort of sign like Oak Ford make a lot of sense to kind of have that, but it seems like they need, need another body there and that should come at some point in time. I at least would expect that. I thought maybe they would have taken a, a second rush end in the draft. You know, Karloftis, uh, of course, was a was a first round pick and and had uh, what eight picks after the first round to to, to make a move. And instead, you know, a couple of safeties, more cornerbacks. They really addressed the back end, but uh, that was it for the for the front end of the defense, which surprised me a little bit. Yeah, you're, and you're not wrong, Blair, because it actually surprised me as well. You know, even if you grab a defensive lineman who gives you flexibility to play inside and outside, they needed to add another body because Colin Saunders is in the final year of his deal. Derek Nani was only brought back on a one-year deal. So you've got some holes there as well at defensive tackle uh, after the 2022 season. 
So I, I actually, if you remember my mocks, I actually had them taking at least two defensive linemen, one guy who can play, who can rush the passer, and another guy who gave them that flexibility. But like you said, they, they went the defensive backs route. And, you know, when you look at the AFC West, what happened there during the offseason, maybe that was the wise move because some of these passing offenses in the AFC West, goodness gracious, it's a fantasy football team. Yeah, you're right, Herbie. And uh, if we did want to look at weaknesses, defensive backfield for the Chiefs in their last two games last year, you could definitely point to that as well. You know, you, you've you talked with him more, so I kind of wanted to throw this back at you to see too. I mean, I think maybe what, me, what might be most confusing, um, Ingram seemed like a great fit to come back. And the Chiefs showed interest in him coming back. And, you know, I'm, I'm not one to poo-poo half a million dollars or whatever, but are you surprised at all that Ingram didn't have more interest coming back to the Chiefs and that Miami was able to land him? Because if you asked me two weeks ago, I would have thought that Melvin Ingram was going to come back to the Chiefs and he was going to be that stopgap that they needed and kind of a perfect fit in that sort of uh, in that sort of role. Yeah, but you got to go also go back to last year. OK, the Chiefs were one of Melvin Ingram's first free agency visits uh, when the Chargers decided not to bring him back. And it came down to money, which is why the Steelers signed him. And again, when you look at what he signed for in, in Miami, now you're saying to yourself, okay, yeah, the Chiefs were not going to pay that for a 30-plus-year-old pass rusher there. And it always comes down to money. And you know what? For these defensive players, unlike Jadavion Clowney, who reportedly took less to return to Cleveland, if you're – I don't fault NFL players whatsoever. If they know this is one of their final contracts in the NFL, go get paid. And if, if the Dolphins were going to back up the Brinks truck for them and the Chiefs weren't, go to Miami. Just, just devil's advocate here, Herbie. If he's a perfect fit and knows the scheme and is the perfect stopgap, and it leaves the Chiefs not feeling like they are right now, is there an argument to pay him a little bit more money? Yeah, of course. <laughs> but, <laughs> are you willing to do it though? You know, that, that's the whole thing. And and you don't know what's you know what he was thinking either. I mean, we I, I, maybe he was introduced to Miami. I don't know. I don't know if there's been a media op for him there, but you know, maybe someone. Somewhat like Tyreek Hill, he had a hankering to, to be somewhere else. You know, just uh, wanted to be in Miami. Who, who knows? Um, hey, before we get off the defensive line, though, we we, I, we failed to mention Turk Wharton, who's a as a you know as a guy who could fit in both on the the inside and the outside, and he's a guy who has played above his you know his you know his his uh, expectation based on how he was acquired, and it, Herbie in in doing the. Um, the the pre OTA breakdown when you took the the broke down in, in both offense and defense you also had um, by when you did the position groups you listed a wild card player by the position and for the defensive line you've listed Malik Herring tell us about remember him from last year I remember him from last year I remember when they acquired him and thinking this guy keep an eye on this guy um, undrafted free agent out of Georgia I believe and uh, what, what's his upside? What's his potential? Pass rushing, the whole, you know, the whole deal. And, and we know the Chiefs love players from the SEC. You look at their roster, it's full of players from the SEC. And Malik Herring is a guy that's very intriguing because of that. And he was on the non-football injury list last year. I cannot remember what his injury was for, it's always escaping my mind right now, but he spent the entire year on the NFI list. And he had the opportunity not just to rehab, but to be around the team, the team facilities, learn the playbook, learn what the defense is going to expect. And, and I'll say this, okay, I always – I want to be cautious when I look at plays during rookie minicamp. But he made a play that just like all of us were like, holy smokes. 
um, rushed up the gap, batted the ball up in the air, and intercepted it, was not touched, got up and ran in for what would have been a touchdown. Okay, now take that for a grain of salt because this is rookie minicamp. Nobody knows the plays. There's, again, we go back to no contact allowed, so the blockers aren't able to put him on his butt, but he was able to get in the backfield and disrupt the play. You got to, like, he is a wild card because when you mentioned Kirk Wharton, he was an undrafted guy that all of a sudden emerged in training camp and made the roster. Is Malik Herring that next guy? Could be. Real quick, torn ACL at the Senior Bowl for Herring. So that was what allowed the Chiefs to uh, have kind of a development year for him last year. But you're right, Herbie. Um, being out there at rookie minicamp, you try not to make too much of it. But if you wanted to pick out one of the top three plays of the three days that we were there, that was definitely one of them. All right, guys, we're going to stay on the defensive side. But first, we're going to take a break. And we'll be right back on Sports BKC. Buying your first home is a huge milestone, but the journey there can be confusing. First Federal Bank of Kansas City is here to make it simple. After nearly a century of serving the KC community, our loan advisors have experience in every type of housing market. With a short phone call, we can give you a free rate quote and talk through loan options. No pressure, no obligation. The road to home ownership can be simple with First Federal Bank. Get started with a free quote at ffbkc.com homes. First Federal Bank of Kansas City, because banking is personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. We are back on Sportsbeat Kansas City talking Chiefs with Herbie Teope and Jesse Newell. Uh, OTAs start this week. Do they start Thursday or Friday? I can't, I can't remember. Tuesday. Thursday, thanks, Herbie, and uh, and and there'll actually be media availability this week and for the next three Thursdays. So you'll get to hear from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, assistant coaches, and some of the players that we're talking about here today. We covered the defensive line in the first part of the show. Let's let's move back to the linebackers, and I think you know we all agree uh, Willie Gay, Nick Bolton are the the, the bedrock of the, the linebacking core. Leo Chanel, the, the draft pick out of Wisconsin, we think is going to get um, you know every every opportunity to be an impact player in in uh, in the linebacking core. And the and the Chiefs went out and um, signed a couple of NFL vet, veterans at that position as well, didn't they, Herbie? Uh, Elijah Lee being one of them, Jermaine Carter. So um, they they've got to make up for the loss of uh, Anthony Hitchens and also gone is Dorian O'Daniel, but. Uh, uh, I, I think this is a pretty solid position for the Chiefs. Yeah, I think it is a solid position as well. I mean, when you look at this group, there's not as many questions as there are everywhere else. You have Gay and you have Bolton as your foundation. Leo Chanel, I'm going to go ahead and pencil him in right now as the starting strong side linebacker. What they're going to need to do, the Chiefs typically carry five to six linebackers to start the year. And those other three linebackers are probably two are going to have to be able to contribute on special teams because someone's going to need to make up for Ben Neiman and Dorian O'Daniel 
no longer on the team. And then the two guys you mentioned there, Jermaine Carter, extensive special teams experience with the Carolina Panthers. Elijah Lee, you know, he's a K-Stater, so, you know, he's going to bring all the heart in the world. Uh, he also has yeah. a, a, a ton of special teams experience. So, you know, if I, if I look at the roster now, and Darius Harris, don't forget him, he's returning. Right. He was one of their core special teams contributors every time he was called up from the practice squad. So those three probably have the inside track, and if the Chiefs go with five linebackers, then there's going to be a battle for those final two spots. Yeah, so every time, just as a programming note, every time we mention a player who attended Kansas State University, we have to stop, pause, um, and acknowledge the, the greatness of the Kansas State program. Um, the, other, the other cool thing about Elijah Lee is from Blue Springs. So uh, it's always cool to have a, a local product there. I'm, I can't wait to, I'm sure we'll get to talk to him soon. It'll be fun just to discuss what it was like um, uh, growing up in the, basically in the shadow of Arrowhead Stadium. So, yeah. Um, so five to six is what they, what they end up keeping, you think? Um, and, and, you, and special teams come out of this group as well. You, you better be, um, you know, maybe, maybe Dave Tobe will always have a say in what, uh, you know, players that, uh, that, that make the team. So, yeah, linebacker seems solid to me. What's, let's, let's go to the, the, the secondary where there has been big turnover and there'll be some big changes. And um, you mentioned Lonnie Johnson earlier, Herbie. I, he's kind of the, I don't know if forgotten is the right word, but whenever I'm thinking about the, the, the corners with Legereus Sneed and Rashad Fenton and, um, and McDuffie, the, the draft pick, I always I tend to forget about Lonnie Johnson, but he's you know look he's they, they picked him up for a reason, didn't they? I mean he's he's gonna you know he's gonna factor into this thing. Yeah, and we don't forget. And to me, it was it was interesting that Veach Brett Veach revealed that they actually had interest in him before last year's uh, trade deadline, which ultimately resulted in them going a different direction and trading for Melvin Ingram instead. So less than a year later, they get the guy that they wanted. Uh, NFL experience has position flexibility, can play safety and cornerback, and we know Steve Spagnuolo loves those kinds of players. The other guy to not forget about, uh, DeAndre Baker. We always seem to forget about DeAndre Baker and that the fact is he's a former first-round draft pick with the New York Giants. Um, so when you think of him, he's healthy now, or at least he should be healthy now from – that devastating leg, uh, broken leg that he suffered back in 20, at the end of the 2020 season. Last year, he was still trying to get healthy. This year, hey, if he's 100% healthy and still has any of that first-round talent, he might surprise this year as well. Former first-round pick of the uh, of the New York Giants, uh, DeAndre Baker. Yeah. Um, now, at, at safety, we've got – Juan Thornhill, Justin Reed, Deion Bush, uh, Brian uh, Cook, the, the draft pick. Um, Jesse, it's a whole new look back there, though, because of uh, uh, Tyron Matthews' absence. And, you know, we, 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 we kid a lot about Daniel Sorensen, you know, and he, he certainly was, you know, had, had moments of um, regret for Chiefs fans, but – uh, but look, he was a steady presence there and a longtime chief. So they've they got a little work to do at, at safety, don't they? Well, yeah, this is the fascinating part of it because this is what Brevich talked about late in the draft where um, they threw numbers at the secondary position. And um, instead of 
you know, guys looking as undrafted free agents and saying, Hey, I really see a crowded house there. I'm not going to sign with the chiefs. The Chiefs said, we're going to use these seventh round picks and take a bunch of these dudes and see if they work out and see who they turn out. So there's gonna be a lot of guys battling for positions back there, but yeah, among the front, you've got, you know, Justin Reed and then, uh, you know, Brian Cook, second round pick. And uh, it, it sure seems like those guys have the versatility the chiefs uh, are going to like at that position and give them more versatile options than they had a season ago. But yeah, on the back end, then you've got a bunch of dudes that, uh, you know, potentially um, if you're counting the safeties and the cornerbacks where it's like the Chiefs just threw a bunch of numbers here and then we'll see how it all uh, shakes out. And I know one of those guys, I, I want to give you a shout out, Blair, because we can talk a little bit about Jalen Watson. I, I know you enjoyed writing about him and his story when he came to talk to us here at Rookie Minicamp. Yeah, yeah. Just, um, you know, fun, fun guy. And um, he was the, of course, the player well-traveled, you know, it's, it's one thing to go from, uh, you know, to, to go from your high school to, to college and maybe back to junior college and then to a four-year school. He did this going across the country doing it. Uh, he was, he's from Augusta, Georgia, and ended up going to junior college in California, came back home when um, uh, he actually signed with USC coming out of, you know, out of junior college in California but didn't have the grades, so he came back home to work at um, – he came back home because his grade didn't have the grades, living in Augusta at home, needed to get a job, couldn't get one except uh, at, his, at a Wendy's uh, where his mother served as the manager, and, man, did he not like that. So not a great experience. His inspiration for getting his grades in order, returning to college, ended up at Washington State – and it um, uh, was, was fun to hear him discuss all that. It was, uh, as you and I and, and, uh, and Herbie talked about it afterwards, sometimes these rookies uh, open up a little bit more in their first media experience with, uh, you know, as NFL players. And so he was willing to share some, some insights about that. It was good. Um, uh, yeah. But, hey, Herbie, I want to get back to uh, the – you know, you're, you're picking wildcard players and you have one at this position as well. Uh, Dion key. Let's t- tell us about him. Yeah. Another undrafted free agent last year at camp. And this is, this is the beauty of training camp. You know, we see them in pads, we see them starting to emerge. And the thing that jumped out to all of us at training camp last year was the fact that Dion key ended up working with the ones, you know, he was out there drawing repetitions with the, uh, the first team defense leading up to that first preseason game. Unfortunately, that preseason game was against the 49ers. uh, And then he had those two brutal plays where he gave up a touchdown and then he disappeared. But the Chiefs thought enough of him to bring him back, sign him to the practice squad and give him the opportunity to to learn even more. So if, if he takes that lesson from last year and the fact you know if it's sticking in his head hey they thought high enough of me to work me in with the ones and twos he's a guy to look out for it may not happen during OTAs but once the pads come on we got to see where these guys are and that's the key thing when the pads come on before we were able to finally evaluate all these positions especially when it comes to tackling and and the contact aspect of football hey can Juan Thornhill be an effective center fielder type of safety that's that. That to me is uh, you know, the Chiefs are really going to have to uh, look at that and have somebody be that person. Is he that person? 
Yeah, it's either going to be Juan Thornhill or Justin Reed because both of them have free safety experience. So one of the two are going to be back there. Uh, Thornhill, obviously, I think he has the experience because they use Tyron Matthew more as a strong safety, as a traditional strong safety, sliding him into the box to defend against the run. So Thornhill has that experience. Remember last year, it was all about, is he finally healthy? You know, uh, we were really surprised when Daniel Sorensen started the year because all we heard throughout camp was Thornhill is finally healthy. Uh, two years now removed from an ACL. This might be the year where he's starting to show it, it, like the, that form he had in 2019. It, if not for that torn ACL, he had an argument for defensive rookie of the year, in my opinion. No, I agree. Uh, I agree. He was, he was on the all rookie team. Um, yeah. Remember? Um, so no, he, he, he definitely made his mark. And it's just been interesting with him since then. And, um, uh, but it seems like they're, they're counting on him big time this year. Um, and, and Justin Reed, I, yeah, I, is he more of a Tyron Matthew type of safety where he, you know, he runs, you know, he's, we see him in run support a lot. I, I don't, I just don't know. I, I, that's one of the curiosities for me as, as we look at questions about the Chiefs, what, uh, how they, um, just, just kind of what the roles are at, at safety. And um, uh, one thing we, I want to circle back to something while we're still talking about the secondary, and this is kind of a side note, but Legereus Sneed had a little bit of a scare last week, didn't he? Um, with his car in his native Louisiana, um, all's well that ends well there. I suspect nobody was hurt, but guys got, got his car shot up. That was, uh, it's not the kind of off season story you want to hear from, uh, from a chiefs player. Yeah, it happened in Minden, Louisiana. He's in town visiting. He was not at his vehicle. That's the good news. There's also nobody was hurt. That's the other good news. And according to the Minden Police Department, you know, they're, they're investigating it now. Uh, they questioned Sneed, let him go, obviously, because he's not involved in that. But there is an investigation into who shot up his vehicle. And it's, it's a shame that happened, uh, especially with a cheese player or anybody. You know, that's, you're a victim of random violence and it just happened to be his vehicle. Okay. Hey guys, we're not going to talk again until, um, until after the OTAs begin. Is there anything, anything in particular or any player that you're really keeping an eye on? Anybody that's, uh, that, that has you pretty curious now that we're going to see, you know, all the, you know, uh, all the players together. We'll, we'll, um, uh, we'll talk about offense in greater detail next week, but just, for the, you know, just taking into account the entire squad, is there somebody, Jesse, or position group or player that you're pretty, pretty uh, curious about going into this thing? Well, be my rookie voyage into this too. So I will defer mostly to Herbie on this sort of thing. But it, it seems to me like OTAs, um, and Herbie referenced this before, is a lot of times rookies can come in and you see – the different body types you see the, you know, the pro athletes, their eyes are really wide. You're, you're starting to kind of figure out where you're going to fit in. You're trying to figure out the, the playbook with everybody else, all those sorts of things. But, you know, as Herbie mentioned last year for a guy like Creed Humphrey and for Trey Smith to step right in and be, um, you know, on the first team reps, that sort of thing. I, I guess I'm probably going to be most interested in the rookies. Uh, the chiefs seem to have drafted most of those top guys with the intention of them playing right away. So are they going to fit in? Are they going to be, 
um, you know, ready to step in. And again, this is an early point, so it's not the end all be all if, if they're not ready. But uh, I think they do need these guys to step in right away and act like they belong. And they have so far. And we'll see if that continues at OTAs. The two I'm going to be looking at, you mentioned the rookies, Darian Kennard. Okay, that right tackle position on the Chiefs offense has the biggest question mark right now because Lucas Nyang is not expected to be back from his knee injury or recovery from his knee injury until likely the end of training camp. So Andrew Wiley is going to be holding down the fort, but how much competition is he going to get from Darian Kennard? The other spot I'm going to look at, it is the offensive line, is who's the swing tackle? Because we don't expect to see Orlando Brown Jr. out there. Folks, remember, he has not signed his, his franchise tag yet. The Chiefs have until July the 15th. So he's not going to be out there anyway because even though it's voluntary and even the mandatory minicamp, he's not under contract as of right now. So we need to figure out who that swing tackle is. And probably the guy who's going to have the first shot at it is their free agent signing, uh, Jerron Christian. So I need to see who their swing tackle is out there as well. We'll get into that in a bigger way when we when we talk again. Um, one thing that I guess we can count on seeing uh, or knowing is wide receivers will look good. Um, you know, defense will look you know question marky because you just can't tell. As you said, Herbie, there are no pads here, but there'll be some great catches, right? Uh, that's always the highlight of OTA. Just guys making great catches. Um, and I'll give you a name of somebody I'm going to. Kind of be curious about. Uh, I'll go back over to the defensive side. Mike Rose, the linebacker from um, uh, from Iowa State, he was Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year a couple of years ago. Undrafted, unexpectedly undrafted. Uh, talking to him, and we'll see if he can make an impression for the Chiefs. I actually think he'll he'll end up with a contract. Um, and be be. Uh, will he be one of the fifty three? We'll have to see. But uh, I think he's got a, a shot at making this team. All right, Herbie Tiope, Jesse Newell, Talking Chiefs. Always a pleasure, guys. We will do it again soon. That'll do it for today's show, presented by First Federal Bank. Thanks to Money Davis for producing and to the production team of Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Thicken. Tip of the cap to Herbie Tiope and Jesse Newell for sharing their insights. Morning Sports Edition was 34 pages today. I got all the local stories. I even made it through coverage of that dreadful Royals loss on Sunday. Plus national stories like the PGA, the final day of the English Premier League, the NBA and NHL playoffs, and the weekend in auto racing. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com. That's liveedition, one word, .kansascity.com. Hey, thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Tuesday with another Sportsbeat KC.